Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. from but sounds very familiar right well coastal church has been focusing on the beatitudes of matthew 5 uh, last week pastor david did an incredible job covering matthew 5 verses 1 through 4 where jesus challenges us to be poor in spirit recognizing that we have nothing to offer god jesus challenges us to mourn over our sin for we will be comforted. Today we're going to move forward in the Beatitude series as we cover Matthew chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. Matthew chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. And I'm going to go ahead and read. Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. There are a few words that Jesus states that stand out. The first word is meekness. It's the first area I want to focus on, meekness. You know, when people hear this word meekness, their mind immediately goes to weakness. Many of us hear this word and we think it's passive or it's making yourself a doormat for people to walk over you. Uh, but based on this text, Jesus sees meekness different from many of us. So what is meekness? My first point, meekness is a restraint of power. Meekness is a restraint of power. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So Jesus was talking to a people, a culture that didn't understand meekness. They had the same view of meekness that many of us have today. They saw meekness as weakness as well. Uh, they saw meekness as a lack of authority. Uh, the word meekness was not seen in a positive light uh, in the eyes of the people that Jesus was talking to. Jesus was talking to a group of people under the authority of the Roman government. Jesus was talking to a group of people that were frowned upon by those in authority and taken advantage of by tax collectors. Their customs and their way of living was often mocked by those of other cultures and backgrounds. And so they were often lied to, they were belittled, and they were mocked. Jesus was talking to a multitude of discouraged, angry, broken people with a strong desire, a burning desire for revenge against their enemies. And so they weren't thinking about this word meek in a positive way. They were focused on power. They were focused on force. They were focused on revenge. So these words of Jesus 
especially when it comes to the word meek, are some of the most countercultural words ever spoken or ever heard by the ears of these people. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is a restraint of power. Proverbs 16, 32, it says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Meekness is like a stallion that's tamed by its owner. Meekness is like a father who controls his strength when he's wrestling with a three-year-old child. Meekness is when you have the ability to bring pain to someone who hurt you, but you walk away instead. Meekness is power under control. Most of the chaos in this world today comes from uncontrolled power. When you see the news and you hear about car accidents, car collisions, people being run over, it's because someone in their car drove with uncontrolled power. Innocent people being shot and murdered, especially in the school system, by people as young as six years old having a gun with uncontrolled power. You know, you look all through history and you see how uncontrolled power has played a role in the chaos and division. Look throughout the biblical history. Pharaoh sees the Israelites multiplying and out of fear that they will overthrow him, he orders every baby boy to be thrown into the Nile. This is uncontrolled power. Nero, the Roman emperor, sought to build a new city dedicated to himself, and so he had about 75% of Rome burned to the ground, leaving people without homes, loved ones, way of life. This is uncontrolled power. And I know that uh, not everybody in this room has been a pharaoh of Egypt or an emperor of Rome. Not everybody. But, but if you take some time to look at your personal lives, some of us struggle with uncontrolled power today. Some of us struggle with controlling our temper. Some of us may struggle with having to have the last word in every argument. Those who are meek exercise power wisely by keeping it under control. It is choosing to restrain power for the sake of others, which leads me to my next point. To be meek is to be selfless. To be meek is to be selfless. Meekness causes us to put others above ourselves. We should not seek to be served by others, but we should seek ways to serve others. This is what Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So this passage lines up with meekness. To be meek is to be humble, like meekness. You know, we look at humility as a lack of confidence, but the Bible teaches that a lack of confidence or low esteem is actually not humility, it's a form of pride. It's actually a form of pride. You look in Exodus chapter 3, God calls Moses in the form of a burning bush to go back to Egypt and declare his word, declare freedom of the Israelites. Moses hears this and 
first thing he does is he points out the reasons why he's not qualified. God tells him, go back to Egypt. Moses says, no one will listen to me. God says, I'll give you the words to say. Moses says, well, they're going to be confused because they don't know your name. God says, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent you, God. Moses says, okay, well, I'm not the best speaker. God says, I will give you the words to say. I will be with you. Moses says, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Moses was so focused on what he couldn't do that he paid no attention to God's word and the needs of people in Egypt. This is not humility. This is pride. Moses was so focused on what he could not do that he paid no attention to what God could do through him. Low esteem is not the same as humility. It's not the same as meekness. This means that there is freedom in meekness. There's freedom in meekness. Those who are meek are free from the pressure of trying to be the creator instead of the creation. Those who are free, they are free from trying to be the potter by accepting that they are the clay. Those who are meek are free from basing God's plan for their lives on their lack of qualifications. Those who are meek are free from focusing on what they can't do by focusing on what God can do through them. There is freedom and meekness. And so because my focus is off me, I can focus on Christ. And when I'm focused on Christ, I can focus on you. To be meek is to put the needs of others above our own. But we must move self out the way First, to be meek is to be selfless. To be selfless is to have less of self. To be meek is to be selfless. To be meek is to submit. Again, meekness is a restraint of power. The Greek definition for this word meek involves uh, taming a wild animal. This is our testimony. When you look at Romans 8 and 7, Paul says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Our testimony is that we were hostile. We were violent in our hearts. But through the preaching of the gospel, the transformative power of the Holy Spirit, God took hostile beings like us and changed our hearts. And now that we're saved, we are, we are to submit to Christ as Lord of our lives. We are to submit to the word of God. And God's word teaches us to submit to him by submitting to authority. Hebrews 13 and 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. This is how God has called us to live. Jesus desires for his people to be meek. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They shall inherit the earth. One great day, Jesus will return for his church. And those who are in the body of Christ, the meek, will fellowship with him forever. In Revelation 20, verse 6, it says, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, 
and they will reign with him for a thousand years. We will be faced with challenges that will tempt us to throw away our control of power. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live a life with power under control, with the anticipation that one day we will inherit the earth for those who are in Christ. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus goes on to verse 6, and he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. My next point, righteousness is a need. Righteousness is a need. Those who have experienced the true meekness and humility that only God can bring to the soul recognize their need for righteousness. This leads to hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst represent the necessities of physical life. And this means that we can no more live spiritually without righteousness than we can live physically without food and water. When someone is truly starving, truly starving, they become passionate about being fed. They become passionate to have their thirst quenched. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will meet their needs. The wording of this text, it tells us that those who hunger and thirst have a continual hunger. This is a daily hunger. The Greek definition for this word hunger refers to an earnest desire and even a labor for daily bread due to poverty. So when Jesus refers to hunger in this text, he's not referring to having a taste for something. He, you know, I could really go for a steak right now. He's not referring to a taste for something grilled or smoked or fried, dipped in this and smothered in that. He's not talking about that type of hunger where you had a dinner last night but missed breakfast this morning. This is a need. This is a hunger that has reached the point of starvation. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The word thirst in this passage is more than just a drink that complements a meal, but it's a word of suffering thirst. This word gives the idea of a genuine, heartfelt thirst that only God can quench. And all throughout the Bible, God has called us to long for him. Just a few verses, even in the Old Testament, Psalm 107, verses 5 through 6, and along with verse 9, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord and in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Verse 9, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills them with good things. Psalm 143, 6, I stretch out my hand to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. We should see righteousness as a need for survival and spiritual growth. My next point, we should pursue righteousness. We should pursue righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, you know, he says blessed, or he says are those who. It's spoken in the present tense. And again, this means that we should have a daily hunger and thirst after righteousness. We should have a daily 
pursuit. We should be in daily pursuit of righteousness. This begins at conversion. Pursuit begins at conversion. When our faith is in Christ, we are born again spiritually. You know, when a baby is born, the first sign of life is hunger. They scream until they are fed. And when we're born, the first sign of new spiritual life is hunger for the things of God. Peter encourages us in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 1-3. to He says, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Babies scream to the top of their lungs until they're fed. And they're not hungry, get this, they're not only hungry on Sunday mornings. They're not hungry twice a week. They are hungry every day, all day. And this is what Peter's telling us. We should long for God's word daily. We should Desire the things of God as often as a newborn baby desires milk. We should pursue God by serving and growing with one another. As we're approaching small group season, I encourage you, find a small group. A small group, it's a place where fellow believers can build community. As Galatians 6.2 tells us, we can bear each other's burdens. The Holy Spirit makes his presence known through community, and when we seek to grow together as believers, holding each other accountable, we are pursuing righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This word righteousness, it points to God's approval, his judicial approval, what is deemed right by God. It's a word uh, that is based on what is right or just or based on God's character, his nature and his laws. This means that God can define what is right or wrong. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after this type of righteousness. In the Greek, again, this type of righteousness is written, the righteousness. The righteousness. This righteousness can only be possessed by God. This is only righteousness that God has. He is holy and he is righteous. He made us in his image. He made us in this likeness, but out of rebellion, we sinned against God, and our sins separated us from God, putting us in the place to deserve nothing but his wrath. But instead of giving us his wrath, he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, God the Son, the co-creator of the earth, he came to this earth, and he lived a sinless life, a life of righteousness. He hungered, and he thirsted after righteousness. He was a man of prayer who sought the Father for strength and guidance, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, through prayer and devotion, he remained meek. He remained righteous. He was challenged by his enemies. He was tempted to lose control of his power. I think one of the the biggest temptations that stand out to me in Matthew 26, he's praying in the garden preparing to give his life for us. And the authorities come and they arrest him. And in an attempt to rescue Jesus, one of his brightest disciples, Peter, that was sarcasm, by the way, (laughs) Peter took a sword and he sliced the ear off one of the priest's chief servants. And it's actually said that when Peter went to 
sliced the ear off. He was actually aiming for the head or the throat, but the guy dodged it and got his ear sliced off. This was an opportunity for Jesus to use and prove his power. This was an opportunity for Jesus to make his escape. But the Bible says in Matthew 26, 52 through 54, this is Jesus' response. He looks at Peter and he says, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? During this time, he says 12 legions of angels. During this time, one legion, one legion in the, in the Roman military was about 70,000 soldiers. One legion. You look at 1 Kings chapter 19, the Assyrians were ready to take over the Israelite nation. But God sent one angel, not one legion, one angel. And one angel killed 185,000 men. Again, one legion is 75 or 70,000 soldiers. And Jesus said, I could call 12 legions to my rescue. What Jesus is telling Peter is there aren't enough people on the planet that could face my wrath. There aren't enough planets in the galaxy that could face my vengeance. But Jesus says in verse 54, he says, how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? There are several moments in Jesus' life where he could have proven his power, but he was meek. Even in the darkest moments of his life, he was focused on submitting his life to the will of the Father by fulfilling the scriptures. That is meekness lived out perfectly. Jesus exercised his power and never abused his authority. And because his life was so sinless, God the Father poured out his wrath upon him. Jesus took the penalty for our sin by dying on the cross. And this is what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what is called imputed righteousness. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, the righteousness of has been given to us. His righteousness has been given to us. This is the most selfless act in human history. Jesus was meek. He was selfless. He was a man who lived a righteous life. He was buried, but three days later, he bodily rose from the dead. And when your faith is in Christ, you will no longer face the wrath of the Father but will live in eternity with Jesus forever. Through the finished work of Christ, we have been made righteous. And so when God the Father sees us, for those who faith are in Christ, he sees the righteousness of Jesus on us, or in us. Those who are made righteous through Christ will seek to live righteous for him. My last point, we have a promise of satisfaction. We have a promise of satisfaction. That should say satisfaction up there. We have a promise of satisfaction. 
While we're living here on earth, while we're living here on earth, we face challenges that make us look to worldly possessions. We face temptations that look, cause us to look to worldly pleasures. But Jesus promised satisfaction to those who hunger and thirst after him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. This is something that God promises to do for us in the future. In this text, to be satisfied is to be filled or even fattened. This refers to fields that were ready for, to feed animals until they were completely full. Jesus says to those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, they will not just receive a small portion of righteousness, but they will be filled and fattened. We will have everything we need to be righteous and right with God. This is only something that can be done through Christ. Jesus says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the only one who satisfies. My question to you is, what are you hungry and thirsty for? What keeps you from living a life of meekness? When you wake up in the morning, are you looking to be served? Or are you looking for ways to serve others? This is how we live out righteousness. This is how we live out our salvation, our belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and studying God's word, healthy community, we can have a continual hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You're holy, you're righteous. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the greatest example of righteous living, even in his darkest moments when he was tempted at all points to prove his power, to lose control. We thank you that he remained faithful to your will, submissive to your will. We pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that we would be conformed to the image of Christ daily, that we may live a life of meekness, that we may live a life of righteousness that would bring glory to your name. We give you praise. We give you glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.